1: Log Talk Radio. This is power. This is tradition.
3: This is Talladega. The biggest party in NASCAR returns October 12th through 14th
4: up the crew and head out to Talladega Super Speedway for race weekend October 12th through 14th. Ticket holders for the 1000bulbs.com 500 can enjoy free camping in three different campgrounds around the track. This is more than a race. This is Talladega.
3: This is Spencer Boyd, driver of the number 76, Grunt style Chevy Camaro, and let to the Pit Stop with Tim Despain.
1: Good evening from Tabby Allen, Georgia. I'm Timmy Stein. You're in a pit stop alongside of my good friend, the CEO of dot com, right outside of the Richmond Raceway. Mister Stephen Wilson. At this time, we've got the birthday boy, Mister Reverend Joe. Happy birthday, brother. How you doing?
5: Thank you, sir. We're doing okay. How you doing?
1: I'm doing good. Like I said, we are, I'm sitting here in the hotel here, looking out looking out over the Atlantic Ocean, and it's something to see, brother.
5: Ah, you haven't seen anything until you see the Pacific i saw enough of the Atlantic. I yeah, yeah,
1: I've heard. I still want to see it. I got to fly out over it one time, but I didn't really get to walk down there to it. But I got to see it when I flew out of Vegas a few years back.
5: Well, you're just going to have to come and visit and fall in the ocean.
1: It's 10-4. Sounds good. We'll go to a race trip.
5: <laughs> well, you're traveling the world for your anniversary, and it the anniversary, by the way. But um, I'm glad that everything's going good
1: Thank you very much, Reverend Joe Yeah, we uh, we decided to come on down through here And hang out a couple nights before we head back to uh, Daga Nation And uh, get back in the real world, I guess you'd say
5: Yeah, well, that has to happen once in a while We're hiding out ourselves But we're in a secret location, so I can't tell you where we are But we did manage to remember to call you
1: 4 I'm glad you remember.
5: <laughs> Shall we get this party started?
1: Yes, sir. Crank it up, Reverend.
5: Oh, Lord, we come before you, and we thank you for a great weekend of racing and banging and crashing and all kinds of stuff going on, but didn't see anyone get hurt. A lot of hurt feelings, but that's normal. But we thank you so much for your protection. And we ask your protection over everyone at every racetrack all over this great country and all over the world this week. And we also ask your protection upon our country. We ask you to please watch over our politicians and the people that are leading our country. Keep them in line, kick them in the line, and help us all. Please protect all of those. And protect all those soldiers and men and women that are out there protecting us all over the world and all over our country. All those people that wear uniforms get run toward the trouble while we're running away from it, watch over all of them and all of us. And we thank you for sending your son to die for our sins so that by just the, the, speaking his name, we can enter into heaven. We thank you for that all in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen, Reverend Jeff. Amen. As always, great invitation, River, and I gotta apologize I did not get a flyover, but I can tell you probably the reason why at a later date, like you said, you couldn't, uh, you couldn't I don't know about where you're hiding out at, but I'll let you know why I couldn't get the flyover recorded. Anyway, Reverend,
4: <laughs> uh, thank
1: you again for coming on and doing all this, but let everybody
5: know if they can follow you on, uh,
1: on, on your uh, your uh, social media stuff and your website,
5: brother. Well, my website is org, and our email is I'm track with jesus at AOL.com. You can reach me by phone most of the time at 951-232-7630 and uh or on Facebook at rev joe Bubico. Uh and I have Tim can tell you how to find me on Twitter. I I can't find myself on Twitter.
1: <laughs> it @revjoebubbaco.
5: Is that how it works? Uh-huh. Yes, sir. I've been able to check <laughs> messages and stuff, but I haven't been able to get to all of them. I, I just don't. I get emails that tell me you've got ten messages or whatever, and I go there and I can find two. So who knows? Maybe I'll, maybe it was ten mentions, and every time the pit stop comes up, I'm mentioned, and that's good. I love it.
1: Good, River Joe, and again from everybody here at Speedway Digest and the Pit Stop Radio. Have a Happy, happy birthday, brother.
5: I shall, and we shall, and we we will talk to you next week.
1: 10-4, Reverend. Tell Miss Betty we said hello to. I will do that. See you, Reverend. Take care. You too, brother. Official Reverend of the show, there, Mr. Reverend Joe Bubico. Let's bring on my sidekick. It's just right outside of Richmond Raceway. Uh, He and I spent a lot of time together this past weekend at Daunton Raceway. See you all, Steve. I just. Digest.com Mr. Stephen Wilson. Stephen, how you do, how you doing tonight, bro? I'm
2: doing pretty
1: good. Doing good. Like I said, we got settled in down here in Tybee Island and looking out over the Atlantic and I uh, we got a few little rain clouds and stuff. But uh Stephen, before we jump into some breaking news, uh, the number to call in is two one five three eight three thirty six eighty one. Again, I'm Tim Despain, alongside speedway digest Mr. Stephen Wilson. Come up here shortly, driver the number seventy two Chevrolet for TriStar Motorsports in the Energy NASCAR Cup series Corridor Joy. And then later on this evening we got owner of Jetty Motorsports Gary Keller, Mr. Johnny Davis will be joining us. So we got a jam packed show tonight. And Stephen, uh, we got we we had some breaking news NASCAR today. I don't think you and I saw this one coming either, brother. Furniture Rail Racing announced today they are going to cease operations after the 2018
2: season. Yeah. um, I mean, there's been some rumors here later around the last couple weeks or something like that that Furniture Rail Racing was looking to divest itself of the team. And there were some rumors that they had approached GMS Racing after the fallout of not getting the BK Racing Charter um, and potentially making a deal with them where they would take over the assets of the team. However, um, I guess in the last week to 10 days or so that pretty much all fell apart. And back in August um, the team said you know, they were still working to find replacements for 5-Hour uh, Energy who was, uh, who was not on the car. So yeah I mean them coming out today and saying that you know they're closing up is uh, i mean the sport's in a bad position when when something like this happens when you have a uh you have a winning champion the team of the reigning f- champions that uh um just last year not only just won a championship but with um, Martin Truex junior but um put up their most impressive numbers to date while they're running a second car for um Eric Jones who won the Rookie of the Year championship. Um uh, outside of one win by Regan Smith at, at, at in the Southern five hundred in twenty eleven. Um, you know, Martin Church Junior has uh, has won the rest of the races, the championship led somewhere around six thousand laps or so, um for them. And for them to close up, um I mean it's bad it, it's bad for the sport. Um I made a comment earlier today that That'd be like the Patriots winning the Super Bowl, and uh, the very next year, um, as the season's coming to a close, say, uh, "Yep, sorry, we're gonna, we're gonna close this thing up at the end of the year. We're gonna shut down football team. Um, meaning there's some kind of problem somewhere, and uh, we've got to make some changes somehow. Um, first and foremost, I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. I think these charters are a very, very bad deal." Um, since uh, the charters were implemented just a handful of years ago, about 40% of the teams that had a charter or were given a charter during that initial year are either no longer racing and they've closed up shop or they've downsized. Um, nobody has made out any better with the charters than Rob Kaufman. Um, he's the only one in this deal that seems to have made any money um, and maybe a handful of people that are around this board, as far as people that have sold off their charters to pay off debts, or um, you know, to restructure or leak the lease. Um, but in, in 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 all honesty, um, something has to change. Um, I think the charters need to go away. To be honest with you, uh, NASCAR needs to restructure um, what we're doing. Um, we we. Uh, We need to start running shorter races. Um, There's just no two ways about it. Um, We've got to cut costs somewhere. We can only cut costs but so much um, on travel, on engines or chassis, testing, you know, all the things that NASCAR has tried to rein in costs on. Um, We need to start running shorter races. Um, We need to do this for the fans. We need to do this for the sport. We need to do this for television ratings. we need to find ways to cut this season down some way somehow. Thirty eight races a year, are we're the longest sport that runs, and it's a and it's a fairly cost prohibitive sport for new people to come in. The barrier of entry today, it, it, it takes a small fortune, um, and if you just don't have that, you don't have that backing, then. Um, unfortunately, you're going to end up like another BK, like another uh, Furniture Railway racing, like any numerous other teams that, you know, about 40% or so that no longer need to have a charter or a downsize since it was implemented. Um, NASCAR is going to rein this thing in. They've got to figure a way to do it. And I think the only way to do it is, is that we're going to have to cut costs, and we're going to have to cut costs in areas that people aren't particularly inclined to do so. And I think that means either cutting some of the events out per year or cutting down these events in length. We need to start looking at engine leasing programs. We need to start looking at the number of cars that a team can, can be certified per year. Um, you know, I think there needs to be a real wholesale look when a racing champion in this sport and a magnitude such as this uh, can win a championship is working is one of the big three this year that has won multiple events. And looks to be a favorite corner in the homestead, yet again for a second championship in the room, it's gonna close down.
1: I will agree on every aspect that you just brought up, Stephen, yes. I when this charter stuff come out, I didn't agree with it either. I didn't you know well I didn't agree and I didn't disagree. I was sort of straddled the fence. I wanted to give Rob Kaufman a chance to see how everything was gonna work out. But like you mentioned, Rob's the only one that's made any money out of this deal. And you know, like Ron Devine, you know, he he had the, the the charter, but just exactly how much? I think we spoke this past weekend at Darlington. Exactly how much do you go out there and figure how much a charter is? Is it per a A team, B team, or C team? Because you know, some of your A's and B's, they're not going to get rid of the charter. Your 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 C class teams—that's where the charter is going to come from if it gets sold or leased. But how do we go about? uh, putting a price tag on a charter?
2: Um, you know, I've, I've actually been asked that question one time before. And, um, again, I'm not sure if it was you or who asked me this, but, you know, somebody asked me that, you know, what do they think of, you know, what do you think a charter is worth? Well, my opinion is that the charter is only worth what somebody's willing to pay for it. And, um, You know, if if you can lease a charter for you know hundred thousand dollars or two hundred fifty thousand dollars, but to buy a charter is two million, two point eight million, whatever the color, whatever it was that the BK Racing charter was sold for, um, it's only worth it's it's only worth what somebody's what somebody's willing to pay for it, and that's the sad fact of it is that there's now more charters today available than there were a year ago, and especially two years ago.
1: Yeah, exactly, Stephen. And uh, I think we've got our first guest coming up here. He he can probably talk and let us know a lot more about this charter stuff and everything. We've got, uh, got driver of the number 72 Chevrolet for TriStar Motorsports joining us right now, Mr. Corey LeJoy. Let's bring Corey in the pit stop with Kenneth Spain and Stephen Wilson.
3: Corey, how are you doing tonight, my friend? I'm doing good, guys. How are you all?
1: We're doing good. We were just discussing – the deal that went on with Furniture Row Racing, I know you probably don't really want to talk about that, core, But uh, and and this charter stuff, uh, get, Steven Stephen and I were just talking about how how do you put a price tag on a charter? Uh, do you have any idea?
3: Well, just like everything else, it's uh, supply and demand, right? Right now, we got uh, more supply than we really have demand from from owners really wanting to get in the sport because we got guys wanting to to bail and get out quicker than they want to get in because it costs them damn much.
1: You got that right. Yeah, Stephen was just talking about, you know, we was giving this charter deal a uh, half, halfway look at it when Rob Coffin brought all this stuff to him. And just like Stephen mentioned, Stephen said, Rob's the only one that's really made any money out of this deal. But anyway, enough on that, uh, Corey. I just want to get your take on that. Talk about your big weekend here at uh, here at Daunton Raceway, brother. You done a throwback of your dad's. that was pretty neat i forgot to get a cup picture of the car yeah that was
3: uh that was a pretty cool scheme we got to run this weekend there at darlington it was uh you know that's a, a pretty iconic scheme even from the old uh bush series days but it, it had a lot of meaning to me obviously too because i was a little kid and i remember going to the racetrack pretty much for the first for the first time watching dad uh in victory lane with that thing
1: that that was pretty neat seeing you drive at number seventy-two around there. And Corey, uh, since they've repaid Darlington, uh, you've run a few races on it, like you said. And uh, it's sort of getting back to the old Darlington. Am I am I right? Sort of getting that wear and tear, and you're getting all
3: that sucking no, that, uh, that. Yeah, it's getting really bumpy. I mean, naturally, it's wore out just from the asphalt that uh, they use down there. It's got all those seashells in it, so. Um. You know, after after about 20 laps, you're screaming for tires. But you know, your your crew chief's telling you, uh, you know, you got to stay out there for another 30, 30 to 40 more laps. So at the end of that run, you're you're hanging on to that thing, and um, you know, I, I, that's one of my favorite tracks because you know the the fall off is so great, and you really have to be up on the wheel and keep your elbows up all night.
1: And Tori, can so let some of our listeners know what you're talking about tire tire fall off and it. It, it, after about the first, probably the first lap, you start getting the tires start wearing pretty good. And just how, just how much, how hard is it to
3: drive that car after them tires get warmed? Like at its
1: basically there at the, at the Angle Southern 500 there in Darlington.
3: Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, you, you are so, you got so much grip the first five to seven laps on them stickers that, uh, you're, you're pretty much running some qualifying laps there in the beginning and then, And then you start to modulate the throttle and you just have to start back in the corner way up uh, just because those tires don't grip as good as they were when they were new. So uh, for the last half of the run, you're just doing all you can to move around on the track to find uh, where there's the least amount of rubber buildup to, uh, so that your eagles can stick as good as possible. But uh, you lose forward drive, you lose lateral grip, you lose turn. So uh, it's just, it's a, it's a handful, but that's what makes it, that's what makes makes it fun.
1: And Corey, I'm pretty sure you and your crew chief and team, y'all were probably set up to start a little bit earlier. Uh, you know, we had that little over one hour weather delay with the lightning the lightning in the in the area. Did you have Did you have your car set up for some some of the some of the sunshine and then going into the darkness of the night, or did you have it set up for darkness?
3: Uh, well, you just keep your you just get the balance as good as you can and and just look back at the notes and see what the track does. Usually uh, contrary to what a lot of people might think that, uh, you know, once the sun goes down, you'll get, you'll get loose because the track will gain grip and the front tires will start turning better and the back. Usually can't keep up. So um, you, you definitely have to plan you have to work some adjustability into your car. So, whether that's you know, hanging hanging spring rubbers in the back, to jam in the left rear spring over the course of the race and uh you gotta make sure that you're on the the tighter end when you end practice, that way it, it'll trend towards uh you know what's best gonna suit your car.
1: Corey, my final question before I hand you over to Stephen. It was a hot one up here, brother. It was hot in Dalton, South Carolina. And from what I understand, drivers y'all y'all probably lose five to ten pounds. Sometimes, sometimes even more than than that. Far as the the heat, can you let everybody know exactly what you did prior to hydrate yourself before that big long race here at Darlington Raceway? Say that again. Talking about hydration, Corey. Uh, you know, with that. With that yeah. long race, like it was, and it and it and it being so hot, can you let everybody know what's exactly up what you did prior to the race to sort of hydrate yourself for that long race? Yeah, I long mean, you have got
3: to uh, you got be ahead on your drinking throughout the week, you know, and, and be conscious of that. But uh, I've been taking some salt tablets that put the potassium and magnesium and stuff back in your body that that what that just plain water can't do, and you know, Gatorade. Is is not what the Gatorade used to be back in the day. Now it's a little bit watered down and it's got a bunch of sugar in it. So uh, the salt tablets helped quite a bit from cramping up and all that. So at the end of that race on on Sunday night, man, I was uh, I was pretty spent. And that black suit of mine was was white from all the the salt and all the the sweat that was that was that thing was holding on to. So man, that's a long that's a long five hundred miles at that place for sure. So I was glad to I was glad to make it the whole way.
1: I bet it was, brother. And again, thank you very much for taking time out, calling in. Behind you over Digest dot com, and good luck on the rest of the, season, rest of the season, brother. And we look forward to having you back on the show.
2: I
3: appreciate that.
2: Corey, thanks a lot. I appreciate you coming on tonight. Um, no it, no the Southern Five Hundred really didn't have a whole lot of caution periods out there. It was, uh, for the most part, it was a pretty tame race, aside from the Clint Boyer, Accident, um, you know, just about a third of the way through the event. Uh, and events like this, especially a, a really really hard event like the Southern Five Hundred, where you're racing around there, um, how much uh, how much does that change your strategy? Um, we've seen events there that have been fairly chaotic, and this one being fairly tame. So, how much does that change the strategy throughout your night?
3: Uh, well, sometimes sometimes you have to be on the same strategy that. The guys you're racing around are on, but those fast guys, if if there's a uh, you know, those hundred lap segments, those guys usually break it up with two stops where it's it's been more beneficial for for a team like ours to just try to do it at one and stretch it as far as possible uh just to save that minute of time uh you know over the course of the run. So uh you gotta be on your toes when it comes to strategy it, it, depending on, you know, if the race is trending to go towards all all green like that. Uh, you have to kind of make your bed and, and lay in it. And hope hope the cautions come out uh, when you need them, or, or they don't come out when you don't need them. So, uh, man, but even that, that last stage there, when it was going green for you know 75 to 100 laps there, man, I was. I'm I'm sure I can speak for a lot of the other guys, man. That's uh, your heart rate's up and you're hanging on on those old tires and you're slipping, sliding around. You're frustrated because uh, you're not running as good as you you, should, you think you would like to be, or you know, whatever whatever the case may be, and you know, right there, before Clint Boyer, Monster Truck Ryan Newman, I was uh, I was I was sucking wind pretty good.
2: NASCAR brought some different coated tires there, uh, I believe, on the left side. Uh, how much is that? How much was that a different? You think in the factor of the overall racing? We saw some really good racing around the racetrack, and the fans seemed to like it. The people on TV. Uh, the the fans and the stands, uh, a lot of drivers seem to like the event and the overall outcome of the event. But, um, you know, tires sometimes um, can make or break events. And um, we've all heard all kinds of different uh, opinions on, you know, what ty- what kind of tires should be running events. But what do you think, them bringing different coded tires there and how does that affect the race?
3: So I feel like the tires they brought were pretty decent to wear. Uh, the top didn't wasn't the dominant groove. There was um, <clears> that you could run the bottom in three and four and and still be competitive. Uh, and you don't you didn't really see a lot of guys on the fence that were making a bunch of hay. Where the 42 was running his best was kind of in the middle and making a big a big diamond. So uh, it gave you a lot of options <clears throat> to going all the way in the flat uh, and to rubber it up pretty nice in one and two. So you had to move around and find grips. So. Uh, whenever it does that, it usually makes for a pretty good race.
2: And for you, you're, you're splitting the ride with Cole Whit this year, so you know you you guys are a little bit of different strategy than you know other, other teams that are running the whole re, you know whole the whole year with a single driver. Um, how much does that does that help you knowing that you don't have to go to all thirty thirty six point paying events and the two uh, non points paying events throughout the year?
3: Well, I mean, obviously, my goal as a race driver to be is to be in the car every week, just so we can, I can, <clears throat> you know, put my team in the best point position possible. But uh, on the flip side of that it is, it is nice having an off weekend here and there. Uh, so there's there's pros and cons of both sides, but that's just the situation I'm in now, and and I'm trying to make the best of it.
2: Trust our Motorsports this year, they got they got a. They got a charter lease from uh, Front Row. Front Row just got another charter from uh, BK Racing. Uh, do you think that you guys will be in the same, um, will be in a similar um, type of situation in 2019? Or as you said at the beginning of the show, there's more than more supply than demand, and, you know, everybody will try and start motorsports and try and capitalize that while, you know, there, there's more supply than demand at this point. Uh
3: I don't know. It's uh, for as much as it costs to be competitive and to win races nowadays. I don't, I don't see anybody jumping in with both feet right now. Unfortunately, so uh, right now, you know, the Tri-Stars of the world that are kind of playing under the radar and and getting by and and doing things pretty light. Uh, I feel like those guys are going to come out, you know, eventually once you know if the sport gets sold and some of the TV money is attributed to the teams a little bit more uh you know we might be able to close that gap from uh the haves from the have not so we'll see Uh, but spending 40 million dollars a car is obviously not the correct business model because it ran a billionaire out of business pretty quick it's ran a bunch of billionaires out of business so we got to figure out how to rein that back in
2: any suggestions on what you think
3: uh, That's way above my pay grade, but uh, I'm sure we can sit here and talk about that all night. But, um, you know, well, the thing it. is, if you, can, you can look at salary caps and you can look at a lot of things, but the the guys who have the most money to spend are always going to beat the guys who don't spend as much money. It's just the way racing's always been. But um, I think that there's still too many areas that uh, the teams that have engineering that are concentrating on certain things all day long. Um, they, they still have a lot of gray air they can work in. So, um, I don't know. It's, uh, there's lots of things that, you know, all the way down to, all the way down to, you know, having maybe 30 races a year as opposed to 36, but then you, then you get to talking into track leases and, and all that sort of stuff. So, um they, there's some way smarter people at NASCAR than myself, so I'm sure they're they they saw that news today and and they're they're a little bit worried about it, which they should be, like uh like we all are.
2: Corey, I appreciate you taking the time to come on here, but before we let you go, as always, um thank your sponsors and anybody that helped you out this past weekend and and um those that are helping you out get through the rest of the year out there. Thanks again, and good luck throughout the rest of the twenty eighteen season. Cool. thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. It's, uh,
3: we got a couple of pretty good sponsors on our car this year with Fluter with Systems, and uh, we got a couple of good sponsors towards the end of the year. We're gonna have—I can't say because it's not not announced yet—but there's gonna be a cool sponsor on for Texas that everybody's gonna know. Um, and and we're, you know, we're just trying to put a bunch of races together. We have a bunch of cryptocurrency mm-hmm. sponsors been on, um, so. Uh everybody that's had a hand helping us out this year, we appreciate it. And, and hopefully we can get everybody rounded up next year so we can make some improvements and, you know, run a little better.
2: Thanks, a lot. You take care.
5: Thanks. Thanks, Cole.
2: Yeah, man.
1: Corey Joy there, driving the number 72 car there for TriStar Motorsports and the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup. Series. we got our other guests waiting. Man, we got them loaded in tonight. We got uh, owner of JD Motorsports for Gary Carey, Mr. Johnny Davis. Let's bring Johnny Davis in with a bang at the pit stop between Miss and Stephen Day.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event.
1: good evening mr johnny davis how are you doing tonight brother
0: i'm doing good man well i didn't know if i need to get my boxing gloves out please go fight or talk about racing
1: J.D., I'm too old to fight, just like I told Scott Revis. Scott Revis, we brought him on. We've had him on two or three times. Brought him on with that first thing he said. He said he was too old to fight, and I said we wasn't planning on fighting, Scott. Yeah, well,
0: I'm too old to fight, too, but I ain't going to turn my back and run if somebody goes to punching at me. But it'll be fine. So what's going on tonight,
1: guys? Well, I was going to let Stephen Wilson have you first, uh, Johnny. Uh, we just got rid of the George. Or, you know, we just had him on there, and – uh We've we been talking uh, sponsorship deal, you know, like the deal with uh, Frontier Road Racing. They're talking about closing down and everything. But I'm going to let Steven have you first, and then he'll throw, he'll throw you back over to me, and i got a few questions before, before we let you jump out of here.
2: All right, sir. Danny, thanks a lot. I appreciate you coming on. You've given a lot of people an opportunity in this sport. Uh, many of them have thanked you throughout their career. Some of them have even given second and third shots at getting back into the sport. How does a team like you, um, go out there and find the guys that are, you know, looking for that opportunity, but obviously not the opportunity. They don't, they don't have the opportunity to go and, and buy that seat from, uh, Joe Goods Racing or somebody of that caliber.
0: Well, it's got Sports Marketing. We deal with them a lot at David Erickson and, and those guys over there, uh, They bring us a lot of people that's trying to get into sport. They know we work very well with small budgets and get the biggest bang out of the buck there. And then sometimes just different drivers will call us and their family. they got a little family money, and they want to give it a shot and see if the kid can do it. And we generally work something out and give it a good shot.
2: NASCAR is obviously a very competitive sport, and you guys have, um, you know, for for a team like you and JDA Motorsports, you're able to keep up sometimes with some of these teams out there. Um, what do you got? What are you guys doing different that maybe some of these teams out there should start taking notice to you guys more than often, more than uh, often than not? And uh, just just an example of that is is Ross Chastain has had some really good runs for you. Uh, Landon Castle had a really good run for you in the the Southern 500. And uh, Ross Chastain was out there leading a majority of the Xfinity Series race. So the caliber of drivers that are there are showing some very oppressive speed. So what should these these other teams actually be out there looking for at you guys?
0: Well, fortunately, we're in a money-driven business. Uh, As I heard just talking to Corey a while ago, it just costs so much to do this. We excel in in getting a dollar to go further, and I work harder at chasing down the best deal out there and forming the best relationships with the other teams and get, and getting some support from them and earning their trust. I, I, we have a good a good relationship with uh, the boys at Ganassi. Uh, they've sold us some cars. They you know they bought all those Turner cars from Turner Scott and opened their program with that, and we were. We were able, to, if they passed those cars to us, and they were better cars, I, I got a good relationship with uh, Richie Gilmore and Dysinger at RCR Engines. They do a lot of engines for us, and the Clements has always done us a good job over at Tony and Glenn, and Pro Motors does engines. We kind of had to scatter out a little bit there, and, and you know, we got good relationships. We, we tell people whatever we're going to do, and we do what we say, and, and that. Creates a, a good family atmosphere to where they trust us and, and put the right pieces out there for us to help us run better. And you can't never uh, put a disclaimer on the fact that Ross Chastain's been there for four years now. And, you know, anytime you work with somebody that long, you, you learn how to gain the most out of each other. And we both feed off each other, uh, the team he's with, uh, the four team the crew chief and and the employees, they all feed off each other, and and they've become kind of like family. So to do it in one year, it's hard to do. And, And second year gets better, the third year gets better, and the fourth year gets even easier. But we're to the point now without finding, you know, a couple more million a year to spend on the race team, then we can't really move the needle from where we're at
2: about 4 years ago your son passed away and he was somebody that was um, very integral to JD motorsports and to people in the garage, to people there at the shop. How how, how has that how has that uh, uh, affected the sport and affected your team to some degree? Um knowing that somebody like that had such profound impact on people all around the sport.
0: Well, the NASCAR family's huge and we all pull together in those times of losing a, a loved one, a family member, and extend a, a helping hand out in many ways. And it's, uh, it's just what we do. Uh, we'll fight you and race you hard and wreck you tomorrow, but if something happens, we'll be there to support you and help you. And that's just the camaraderie in our sport that we've created amongst ourselves that does that.
2: What do you think, where do you think you see the Xfinity Series going in the next couple of years? There's been a lot of talk of, of the Kyle Busch's and the Brad Kowalski's of the sport continuing to come down and race in the series. Some say it's a great thing that they come down and give drivers an opportunity to race against people that they may eventually race against in the Cup Series. But then there's the other side of the fence where people feel that they come down, and when they come down, it's the show's all about them, and it's not about the people trying to... Uh, make a name for themselves as the series is really defined as. What do you, what do you think about that, and where do you think that NASCAR could be going within the next couple of years, even after limiting some of these drivers?
0: Well, it, it, it isn't the drivers. Ross proved it's not driver this weekend. I mean, he set on the pole, he led laps, he won both stages in a car that's connected to the cup 100%. But an Xfinity team that comes out of a cup operation, has way more engineering, way more technology handed down for free than we could ever even think about buying or getting. So it's not the driver. It's the team that we're racing every week that hurts. Ryan Priest won races in Gibbs cars. Ross had a shot to win the race this weekend. He was as fast as anybody there. So it's not the drivers. He outrun the good drivers it's the team, it's the technology, it's all the engineering that we can't get our hands on that makes it hard. Uh, We can outrun them if we had an equal playing field, but unfortunately there's no way to create an equal playing field the way the guidelines are for the two series. They're so close together, too much information translate over that we can't get. So, I don't mind racing those drivers. We can beat those drivers if we had equal cars. You get uh, one of those Brad Keselowski to drive uh, somebody else's Ford just a team like mine, you know, so he stays in his make and, and put them in his car, then they'll shine. It's the cars that ain't the drivers. They're good. They got talent, but there's a lot of talent in, in the back of the field too. They just don't have money.
2: Jenny, I appreciate you taking the time to come on here tonight. Uh, I'm going to throw you back over to Tim. Good luck in the rest of the 2018 season.
0: Thank you for your time, sir.
2: Thank you, Stephen. J.D., just to sort of touch on you
1: and Stephen, we're talking about money. It's 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 a money-driven sport. It's a, it's a business, and you and your team, y'all, do a great job. Since NASCAR has bought ARCA, and, you know, ARCA has implemented the Ilmore engine. And they're also running the Elmore engine in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. Do you think that is the way NASCAR might need to go to sort of help you and your team save on expenses and then talk about what you just mentioned, the level playing field with that Elmore engine? Like Bill Kemmel's always told me he can run that thing three or four times before he has to send it off and have it and have it redone.
0: Yeah, that might have been a saving grace to ARCA and the Cup series. But it would put teams like myself out of business in our series. We own our own engines already, and our engine bill is already, you know, to the rate of the engine bill from running that engine. So, for let's take, I own twenty engines. So for you to take and change the rule where we got to run that engine, that I got to throw twenty. Sixty thousand dollar engines away because it no longer has a value. So then I got to go buy some more engines at fifty or sixty thousand dollars. I don't have that money. So that that would be the death of a lot of teams at our garage to do that.
1: I understand, JD. I did not realize. Yeah, yeah. Was it, with all that y'all got grandfathered in, yeah, that would be the death of a lot of teams. But JD, talk about you know you talk about expenses like me like like you and Stephen were were discussing earlier, and we were talking to Corey, you know, and Corey mentioned maybe dropping some of these races back uh, in the Cup Series, also the Xfinity Series because I mean it's a very long season, just like Stephen said, and it takes a lot out of the team, the hauler drivers. I mean, there's so much going on. But where do you think NASCAR can cut? Do they need to cut some races? JD or do we need to cut back on some of the time Of the races and not being so long just Like you said earlier um, I don't know what to fix is JD But what would you do if you Was in a position in NASCAR to try to fix The situation now that we have with sponsors And uh not Saying that it at it Darlington that it wasn't sold out but like Stephen Said it was right there it. it was probably 1800 shy of being sold out one of the biggest Races ever the so that the Southern 500 but what what do we Need to look at JD well from your business perspective side of it?
0: Well, if the races was 200 miles instead of 300, see Darlington was 200 miles and it was a good race. Uh, Our Charlotte race will be 300 miles. Our Kentucky's is 300, Vegas and all those. I think 200 miles would help some, but that's not enough to really make a big difference. I think what they got to do is some spec engine parts to where we're all getting 100% the same engines and and take a little horsepower out of the things where we could run them a few more races and they're trying to do those things they're working hard at it i think we could do some more with the car to where the cars weren't that different from everyone else where they didn't have the aero stuff they've got the outside and and the body of the car pretty controlled but now they're spending so much money and time on the cup cars, on the underneath. So when a cup team finds something, and you got a team like a Childers or or a Gibbs or Ganassi or all those guys, they build one for their Xfinity team as well, and that's that's the technology that uh, we need to get cut out, bleeding down from from the cup to us if we had it to where like back when i got started in the 80s you could go to hickory and race a car that you raced at charlotte and got all the local people back involved again the local engine shops and all that then it it would uh it would help the sport grow again on on the xfinity side but then it might take away from the cup side it's a tough balance that nascar's fighting with to figure out where the where the real line needs to be drawn on what they do to help everything grow. And, and they got a bunch of good people there. They're trying to do it right.
1: Yes, sir. And, J.D., my final question, if, if I can ask you this, sort of let some of our listeners know you're a multi-car team. Uh, but sort of let everybody know just how much work goes into getting one team to a track uh, prior to a race, after a race. I mean, can you just let everybody know how much work goes into that getting that car to that place, and especially if it's across on the West Coast, it's a lot more.
0: Well, we'll do. We will try and have Vegas and Indy car ready tomorrow, and in the hauler tomorrow night, and they'll drive to Indy. And if we don't tear nothing up in Indy, the haulers for our team will leave India, go straight to Vegas. And we'll have two drivers in there to get the truck back home to get ready to go to Richmond with a different car uh, that we got in the shop. And my guys are there working right now. They'll work nine ten 10 o'clock uh, Monday through Wednesday to try and make this happen. And, and the road course stuff got us behind. We, we worked all night, 24 hours one night there. And i got, I got a good group of guys that are dedicated to the sport. They have a passion for the sport like we do, so it's not an option not to get them cars ready and not go. They they love it just like I do.
1: And, J.D., before we let you jump out of
0: here like we always do, everyone, we let everybody
1: thank their sponsors, thank anyone that has helped you along the way, or anybody that you want to thank, J.D., you got the floor, buddy.
0: Well, we always have to thank Flexil, Phil Swift, and his family, and keep them in your prayers and thoughts as Phil's mother is struggling with some problems right now in the hospital. Uh, you know, we got the Watermelon, Florida Watermelon Association, Melon One. They've been a great supporter of ours since Ross came on board. Of course, that's his family. And they've la- allowed us to put packages together with putting stickers on watermelons for the. Delaware Highway Safety, New York, and, and, and you know different state venues that they have there, and we, we just got so many, man. You caught me off guard on that; I really wasn't ready. But uh,
4: Fame on time, Jay,
0: Garrett's Bar, they bid good. Kentucky Fame to help him. Uh, J. J. S. Trucking out of has bid good for Vinnie Miller. Uh, it's it's just been a great ride this year. You know, v- Vinnie Miller's family's invested some of their personal money, trying to help Vinnie grow in the business. So it's just been great. And I've overlooked mad a lot, out. but I'm, you know, I wasn't really prepared for that question.
1: That's mad. That's my bad, JD. I'm sorry about that. But yeah, I just I just didn't want you to stay over your time that you said you would. But anyway, Johnny, thank you very much for coming on. We really do appreciate it, and don't be a stranger. we would like to get you back on, and again, good luck in the rest of the season. We appreciate everything that you do for NASCAR, buddy.
0: All right. Thank you, and y'all have a good evening out there. Thanks for having me on.
1: Yes, sir. You too, J.D. Johnny Davis there, Stephen. A lot, a of, lot of information right there in that fellow's brain, isn't it? Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff out of him. He's been
2: around the sport for a pretty long time, and Give a lot of people opportunities out there,
1: and sometimes even that second, third opportunity in the sport. Yeah, and I, I wish I didn't want to keep him over his allotted time, but I, I mean we could, like we say, we could talk to everybody all night. You know, he come in there right after Corey. We had Corey, and we went right into jet And you know, Corey Mitch, I think Corey's on the same page you are, Stephen, about about that charter stuff. He said he. I'm just gonna quote Corey. He said it's too damn expensive.
2: <laughs> yeah. That, I think that's why we're having the problem that we're in right now. Um hey, you know, there there's just you know, this unfortunately was pretty poorly implemented. Um, maybe a few team motors were on board with this, but um I I know a lot uh, some team motors backed away and uh wouldn't pay the fees and um you know, there there was some of that going on at the beginning, and then there's been others that like the triathlon, other sports that you know I think he's right that you know there's no sense in them going to spend spending two, three million dollars on, on a charter um, because who knows honestly how long it's going to last for one and two. Um, there there's more supply than demand, and that two, three million dollars for one charter today, maybe a million dollars tomorrow.
1: That's right. And, you know, Stephen, I posed the uh, question to uh, Corey there about how he hydrated himself prior and after, and he said he, he said he actually starts first of the week. He just starts drinking water, Gatorade, anything he can drink. Because, like you said, you and I both said, some drivers lose 7, 8, 10 pounds. Some drivers lose, even lose 12 pounds. And that 367 laps there at, uh, at Don's Raceway for the Bojangles Southern 500, that that's a long time, brother. And you know how hot it was because uh, you and I, we were we were there. It was, it was, woo, I saw, I actually saw a water buffalo evaporate, evaporate Stephen, It was hot.
2: Yeah, it was very hot out there. It was 94, 97 degrees, something like that. At race time, dropped down to about 70s or so uh, by the end of the night. So uh, being in those hot 140-degree race cars, um, you know, you, you use a lot. And we we've heard of you know uh, uh, Pocono, Indy, various different other places during the summertime where these harvesters are losing you know eight, ten, twelve pounds on on a on a given one given race or a given weekend out there, and it's a lot of, to absorb um, going into the next race weekend.
1: And Stephen, we were talking before we had Corey and all these come on there. We sort of got sidetracked, uh, but didn't you know wanted to bring them on. Uh, this opens up a new can of worms. Where does Martin Truex go? You've got him now. It's finally come out. Barney Vesser and Furniture Row Racing—they're closing doors. Well, Power gone. All right, you got Kurt Busch. He still had not signed his contract with Stuart Haas Racing. All right, rumor is he might go to the one car at Chip Ganassi Racing. Okay, if that happens. I'm just throwing scenarios out, Stephen, and listeners. Where does Martin Truex Jr. fit in this scenario? Or Could Martin Truex go? I don't know if there's going to be a Toyota ride open, Stephen. Uh, he's probably going to have to change manufacturers if he goes that route. There's, we're just, well, silly season has been going on. But what do what do you think we're looking at with these scenarios? And if you have some more scenarios, throw them out there, bro.
2: I don't know. At this point I think there's a lot of flux as to where they're gonna to go. Toyota's gonna to definitely try to keep him and Cole Pern together. I think they um are gonna to have to plenty up some cash on their end to make this happen. Um, you know, as far as where he goes at, um, you know, they that's just another Toyota seat down. Um, that's a Toyota seat that um you know, Christopher Bell. Said earlier this year that you know he he wants to make it to the Cup Series you know sooner rather than later, um, and Toyota's gonna to have to find a place for him at the same time. Um, there's more there's more people than there are seats unfortunately. Um, is, is that a good thing sometimes in sport? Yes. Unfortunately, it's a bad thing too because you know, um, you know we're losing out on some talent um, that that could potentially be in sport at the same time. Uh, so every time these teams decrease like this, um, that's the potential for the next talent to come up, move up, and and make a name for themselves in the sport and, and find a career uh, in the Cup Series. Um, you know, when a past champion, you know, especially at the caliber he is today with Cole Pearn, um some of these talent that, that may be the next generation of drivers in the next 15 years worth the drivers, um, they're going to, unfortunately, they're going to be pushed aside to some degree into this. They're going to, um, you know, they're, they're going to have to find a place for him. Um, if, if Toyota wants to keep him, uh, I think they'll find a place for him. Um, where that is, who knows? But uh, if not, I mean, there's a lot of other seats that are coming up. You're right, the number one is is a possibility, you know. But, you know, then what happens to Jamie McMurray at that point? I don't think he's ready to get out of the car. So he'll be looking for a seat. Um um, you, have you, got Levan Van the race and the number 95 case can also mentioned that he he's, he's done at the end of this year. Um, so, um, you know, there, there's one possible seat, but they're going to have to make a conversion over Toyota if that's going to happen. If GMS racing is going to come to the cup series, they're most likely going to come to the cup series as, a, as Chevrolet manufacturer. They've been a Chevrolet manufacturer since they came to the truck series, um, you know, five five or so years ago, four years ago, something like that. Um, they bought uh, the Chevrolet into Xfinity Series, too. And if they're going to go to a Cup Series, I can foresee them being in a Chevrolet. Um, they've had a lot of good luck with them as it is already. So I don't think that they're going to be making any changes. And if they were going to make changes, um, you know, maybe Furniture Road Rates and what's going to sell out to them. And uh, they were going to bring a Chevrolet, put another Chevrolet driver in. I mean, Martin Truss, Jr., to go back to Chevrolet wouldn't be unusual at all. Um, he raced, uh, he 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 raced, uh, you know Chevrolets in the Busch Series many many years ago. So uh, for him to go back to Chevrolet, um, I think Chevrolet would be lucky to have him. To be honest with you, and if uh, he can find a place over there, um, yeah, I, I I can I can foresee that Chevrolet may be putting out some money of their own to try and capture him as a driver.
1: And let me throw this scenario at you, bro, Elliot Sadler stepping out of that Junior Motorsports car and the asked for x Series. He said he's done. Kerry Thorpe presented him with a plaque. We saw it here at Darlington. Take this scenario. I don't want to rain on Johnny Davis's parade, but you got Ross Chastain, Chevrolet. Dale Earnhardt Jr. has used Ralph Chastain. Ross Chastain has raced for Dale Earnhardt Jr. back in the day in the X-Fendi Series. Uh, just, I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. I don't know. What's your type?
2: Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that Ross Chastain does have an opportunity um, to move up after what he did uh, this past weekend at Darlington. I know there's some controversy where, um, you know, Kevin Harvick said it, that he would never get any more opportunities racing people like that. But at the end of the day, Ross Chastain outran Kevin Harvick for two-thirds of a race. So who's going to get the opportunity now? It'll probably be Ross Chastain um, that's going to get an opportunity considering that he did everything that he could in his power and was doing everything he could to keep out and stay out in front of that race. And had it not been for that answer, he was going to Victor Lane Saturday afternoon at Darlington Raceway. He's going to be in that number 42 car a couple more times this year. I would say... That for them, uh, uh, they they might bode well to put him in that car uh, on a more long-term deal or uh, work a deal with somebody like uh, Junior Motorsports to put him over there. I think he has an immense amount of talent. I think he's running equipment at, you know, 200% of what it should be running, and, I showed, and, and everything that he did on Saturday out there I think is an opportunity for him uh, in the Xfinity Series. Uh, coming up, and, you know, there there's drivers that are, you know, looking for their next step, and I think Ross Chastain has the opportunity to do so, um, maybe in that 42 car, maybe in that number one car, maybe in, a, maybe in another car, but honestly, I think he, he's got opportunities coming up himself. So there's a lot of shifting that could happen around in the next three to four months, um, and, and by the time we get to the end of this year and get back to Daytona next February.
1: I'll definitely agree, Stephen. Just like Johnny Davis said, he said, it does take a good driver. But he did mention, you put a driver in good equipment and some A-class stuff, or, you know, above the B-class stuff, he wasn't really cutting himself down. He was just saying the equipment was better, like he mentioned. The cup teams have the money with the with the X-FINI series affiliated teams. They can run the same deal, or not the same deal as far as the uh, cup side, but they can – Bring that down to the extent that's where Johnny Davis said he, you know, he don't have access to all that. He can't afford it, but he said good equipment makes a big deal, and I really think, just like you, you just mentioned it, Kevin Harvick, if he would not have got into it with Ross Chastain, Ross Chastain would have won that race, and I'm going to tell you, if Chip Ganassi Racing does not get a clamp on. Ross Chastain, just like you said, Kelly Earnhardt, Junior Motorports, so they're going to grab that young man up because he's got a sponsor going with him, too. They're going to put him in that one car uh, when Elliot Sadler steps out this year for next year in 2019.
2: But. Yeah, I think they'll have to put something together. Honestly, I think it's, you know, the right move at this point. Darlington is such a hard race check to run. Karen Harrick has won there before. Danny Hamlin has won there before. He kept cup drivers behind him all day long. Uh, he was the class of the field up until that incident. Um, I think that they're going to evaluate him over the next couple of events That they're going to put him in his number 42 car. If he can do things like he did this past weekend at Darlington, uh, come 2019, uh, he, you're going to see him in a, in a whole brand new race car, no doubt.
1: Amen, brother. And Cleveland, before we get out of here, I'm going to put you on the spot because I've been fighting this computer, and uh, I don't have a printer, so I don't have the weekend schedule this weekend. Do you have it, brother?
2: Yeah. So this weekend, Andy Indianapolis are going there, cut off the regular season. Uh, top 14 drivers are all locked in. Jimmy Johnson and Alex Bowman can get in via help uh, with uh, driver uh, winning. One of the 14 drivers that are already locked in, will uh, secured both of their positions in. Kyle Busch is going to win the regular B- 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 season championship, um, so long as he's uh, 22 points ahead of Kevin Harvick in in, in the second place. Um, you know, there, there's there's a handful of drivers or so that have an opportunity to get in the playoffs. Um, Stenhouse, Newman, Menard, Suarez, McPharre, Byron, as well suppose as half dozen or more but they've got to win, um, and uh, it, it's going to take the to, to hopefully maybe get one of them in victory lane this weekend, um, but um, I think the field is pretty much so as far as I was concerned. Anyways, onwards to what's going on this weekend at Indianapolis Motor Streetway. Um NASCAR Xfinity Series qualifying Saturday morning, 11.45 a.m., with uh, the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Um, and... Xfinity series racing. Sorry at three o'clock. Hard last two hundred and fifty miles for them. And to be following that the um the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series qualifying. Uh it is an impound race, uh six fifteen on Saturday. And then on Sunday, Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series um, racing from, from Indianapolis, one hundred and sixty miles, four hundred last the Burkeyard four hundred there. Um hopefully we'll see a good race, but you know um I, I will see whether the packages work well enough to bunch these cars back up i'm hoping they do i hope we see a good race out there this weekend
1: i'm pretty sure we'll be see and before we let you jump out of here i want to thank you again uh we had a blast at uh dongin race we want to thank Kerry tharp and his whole entire staff there for uh, treating us just like we were part of the family there covering it from from the media side and uh Stephen, I want to thank uh, Corey LaJoy for taking time out to come on the show. Tonight. I really do appreciate that. Driving number 72 Chevrolet there and in, that, in the Monster Engine NASCAR Cup Series. And I want to thank JD uh, Johnny Davis, owner of J.D. Motorsport, for taking time out to come on also. We had some great conversations. We could have kept them all night long. But, uh, Stephen, before we jump out of here, let let everybody know they can follow you on social media and your website, my friend. You
2: can follow us at Speedway Digest. On Twitter, Facebook.com slash SpeedwayDigest and SpeedwayDigest.com. I've got Tom Marquise, who's a radio and sports commentator out of Indianapolis. Excuse me. Uh, He's covered the last several Indianapolis 500s for us. He'll be at the track covering all the action for us this weekend.
1: That sounds good, brother. And I know you're right outside of Richmond where You're going to sign off, but I'm Tim Espain. I'm going to sign off live from Tybee Island, Georgia. We'll be back in Dagan next week. And everybody tune in, and everybody watch the race this week. It's going to be a great race going into the chase. And, uh, Stephen, thanks again, brother. And until next Tuesday night, we'll see you from Dagan Nation. See ya.
4: Yeah, where we're at, only few have known. What's the next level? Super Mario. I hope this works out. Cardio. Till then, let's fly. Geronimo.
1: I ain't never seen a face like yours. You made me feel like I could touch the planet. You want the moon girl? Watch me grab it. See, I ain't never seen a star this close. You got me stuck by the way you glow. I'm like, oh, 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 oh.
4: I'm like, oh, 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 oh. Here we